0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear Christian friends, every year leading up to confirmation, I ask the confirmants whether or not they want to be confirmed. I don't want to assume that they desire to be confirmed, nor should they assume that I think they're ready to be confirmed. And that's why I sit down and talk with them in February The first question I ask them is, what is the purpose of confirmation? And these are some of the answers that this year's confirmation class gave. So that I understand everything and get to take communion. To become a member and take communion. To become an official part of God's family and receive communion. Get closer to God by taking communion. Forgiveness in Jesus' body and blood. It's showing what you learn before taking communion so that you can announce your faith and receive communion. From their answers, it sounds like I drilled it into them that communion was an important part of becoming a confirmed member of the church. If that's the way it sounded, it's because that's exactly what I did. And as I teach about Holy Communion and everything else contained in Martin Luther's small catechism, I then teach the 8th graders and their parents how to use Martin Luther's large catechism. Because I'm thinking most of you haven't read Luther's large catechism. I'm going to read portions of that catechism in today's sermon. There is a danger for every Christian, whether they were confirmed months ago or decades ago. And that danger is to become lazy. And indifferent about receiving the sacrament. As Christians absent themselves from God's word and sacrament, at best, they'll become weak and worn out. But at worst, they will come to despise God's word and sacrament. And Martin Luther, if you've ever read any of his words, can be kind of strong with his words. And he's very strong here on those who deprive themselves from the sacrament for a length of time, he says, They are not to be considered Christians. But you and I know this, that sadly, many confirmands, whether they're teenagers or young adults, even the ages of parents and grandparents can eventually drift away from worship and God's word and sacrament. They feel the freedom to no longer pray or worship or receive communion. And to them, Luther says they might as well have the freedom to not be a Christian. And so it is a good practice to get into, to go through personal preparation for communion as we did this morning in the worship service. Examine yourself. Examine yourself if you're ready to receive the sacrament, but also examine yourself if you have not received the sacrament in a long time. And then... Examine yourself to see how you feel about not receiving that sacrament. And if you miss it, Luther writes that if a person thus withdraw from this sacrament, he will daily become more and more callous and cold and will at last disregard it altogether. To avoid this, we must indeed examine heart and conscience and act like a person who desires to be right with God. Now, the more this is done, the more will the heart be warmed and enkindled that it may not become entirely cold. And then several paragraphs later in his large catechism, Luther asks what a Christian should do if he no longer thinks that he hungers and thirsts for the sacrament. And then Luther being Luther, he answers his own question. For those who are so minded that they do not realize their condition, I know no better counsel than that they put their hand into their bosom to ascertain whether they also have flesh and blood. Luther is saying that if you can feel that you have a pulse in your flesh, then you need the sacrament to counteract the fruits of your sinful flesh. Luther then advises that the less you feel your sins and infirmities, that shows you ever more that you need this sacrament to help and remedy. And that's why we crave the sacrament so often. The sacrament is pure gospel. Luther writes, the entire gospel and the article of the creed, I believe in the Holy Christian Church and the forgiveness of sins and so on are embodied by the word in the sacrament and presented to us. So that when the church shares word and sacrament, it is proclaiming Christ's death and resurrection as St. Paul writes, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Fellow saints, why do you come to the Lord's table? Is it because everyone else is doing it? Has it become a habit or a custom? Because we're sinful people, it can easily become that. But thankfully, God gives us a much better reason to receive the sacrament. The cup of blessing that we bless Is it not a communion of the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a communion in the body of Christ? Paul says there in our sermon text that when you receive the sacrament, you are receiving a communion, a common union between Christian and Christ's body. You are receiving a communion, a common union between the Christian and the very blood of Christ. In the Lord's Supper, Jesus gives us his very body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. That when you hear the words of absolution from the pastor in the beginning of the worship service, that is the voice of Jesus that is coming forth from the pastor's mouth. Those words of absolution are spoken to everyone in the sanctuary and everyone worshiping online. But when you come forward to receive the Lord's sacrament, you are are hearing the words of absolution in your ears, but you're also receiving absolution in Christ's body that you're holding in your hand. You are receiving absolution as you taste Christ's blood in your mouth. Absolution is then given at the Lord's table. Not generally, but specifically, one-on-one, you and Jesus we are a people who have been cloud, whose vision has been clouded by sin. And so when you receive the sacrament, for a short time, this myopia is cured and you get to see Jesus face to face. We are a people who need to hold the tangible. But the sacrament is intangible. It is the intangible, eternal grace of God but it is in the tangible elements of bread and wine that you can touch and taste. We are a people who are starving in this desert world of sin where we are filled with loneliness and emptiness. And yet in the sacrament, we are seated at the banquet feast of the Lamb of God, fellowshipping with all of his saints, both in the sanctuary and those in heaven. Fellow saints, dangers lurk around us all the time and all over the place. The world and our sinful nature are willing allies with the devil, the old evil fold, the ancient serpent, the great red dragon of Revelation chapter 12. This great red dragon, he hates the church. He hates me and other pastors who are preaching Christ crucified. He hates you if you are a Christian who is hearing about the crucified and resurrected Christ. He despises every Christian who has been baptized. He loathes everyone who comes forward to receive the Lord's Supper. He despises us as we continue to pray and sing and worship and support Lutheran education. Satan, the old evil foe, is on the prowl, and he is after us, God's saints on this world. We are in a daily battle for our souls, and so we need protection, but we also need daily strength for this battle. We need the bread of heaven, or we're going to die in this world and then die eternally in hell. Just like the Israelites received the manna, the bread that came down from heaven during their wandering in the wilderness. Just like the Israelites received the water that poured out from the rock during their traveling in the desert. So Jesus is the bread of life. So Jesus is the water of life. We Eat and drink him spiritually by faith. But in the sacrament, that spiritual eating and drinking is combined and connected with the physical eating and drinking of bread and wine, body and blood. A question that I ask every year when I teach on the Lord's Supper to my adult confirmation class is, should a member who is weak and worried, and burdened by sin, come to the Lord's table. And the question is, absolutely. That's what it's for. That's who it's for. For Jesus invites us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. As lambs and sheep, you are harassed and helpless, and hurting on your own. And that's why you need to receive this sacrament. It is the balm of Gilead for your hurts. It is the great physician's medicine for your wounds. It is the living bread for your starving soul. The Lord's Supper connects us to Christ in a spiritual and also a physical way. As one of our church elders put it a long time ago, we need all the forgiveness we can get. The Augsburg Confession quoted the early church father, Ambrose, saying, because I always sin, I always need to take the medicine. But something else that we receive in this sacrament is something that we can't get anywhere else on earth. Paul writes, because there is one body, we who are many are one body, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So not only is there a communion between Christian and Christ, there is a communion, a common union between Christians who are receiving this sacrament. There is a unity of faith in our church. So whether you are kneeling together In table communion or you are standing in front of or behind others in continuous communion you don't have to wonder about what those other people are thinking about the lord's teachings in the bible you know that somewhere along the line whether as a teenager or as an adult they took the same kind of confirmation classes that you did they believe everything the same way that you do in the Lord, about the Lord's Supper, or baptism, or all the other teachings contained in scriptures. That's a blessing that we have in the Wisconsin Synod that most other Christians and churches don't have. Because other Christians and churches and church bodies do not practice communion fellowship. They just invite anyone to come forward. And so who knows what anyone believes. But when you take the Lord's Supper, whether it's here, or other campus, or another Wells church here, or even if you go overseas and you can't speak a single, can't understand a single word of Chinese or German or whatever, but they are connected with us in fellowship with the Wisconsin Synod, you know that they believe exactly the same way that you do. That is a unity that is very unique to us in our church and church body. So why do I and our church elders encourage you often to receive the Lord's Supper? Because we are following Jesus' gospel imperative. Do this. The gift that he gives us in this means of grace are the tools that the Holy Spirit connects us with God's word and God himself. In this sacrament, you come face to face with Christ like nowhere else The sacrament is the tool of the Holy Spirit to give you the forgiveness of sins, not only in your ears, but in your mouth. The tool of the Holy Spirit giving you a brand new life in Christ, that when you receive the sacrament, you are different than what you were just a few moments before when you hadn't received the sacrament. And it also gives you eternal salvation that when you come forward today for the Lord's Supper, you are communing with the saints that have gone before you, your parents and grandparents, your children, your spouse, that they are communing in heaven as you commune with them in the Lord's Supper. Listen closely to the liturgy today to hear those cues. One author put it this way. It is the antidote of immortality An antidote so that we may not die but live forever in him. Our our Lutheran confessions quote the early church fathers as saying, Christ's flesh is truly a life-giving food and his blood truly a life-giving drink. The body and blood of our Lord in the supper are life-giving. They are never unfruitful, impotent, or useless. Here we receive the body and blood of the living God into this body made of dust. What could be more powerful? What could be more beneficial? This is the greatest treasure in the life of a Christian. So, fellow saints, summing everything up, what does the Lord's Supper offer? Simply put, it gives us Jesus. Yes, we have Jesus all the time by the gift of faith that the Holy Spirit has granted in us through conversion and baptism. But Jesus loves us so much that he comes to us in a special and sacramental way in the Lord's Supper. That he is really present in this sacrament. He gives us himself the unity of his divinity and humanity contained in the mystery of flesh and blood hidden in, with, and under the bread and wine. This is a miraculous power that we cannot get anywhere else. Taking the Lord's Supper gives you forgiveness. It gives you a new life. It gives you eternal salvation. The sacrament assures you that Jesus really does love you. He gives you himself. It is pure gospel. You come to receive the Lord's Supper because it comforts your troubled conscience. It is the Lord's Supper that lifts up your sagging spirit it cheers your wounded heart. As we love to sing, it is the feast of victory. It is the Lamb's High Feast. It is the feast of our salvation. And we are invited to this feast. So whether you were confirmed months ago or decades ago, let us come to this feast and come to it often. Amen.